everybody. Hello, welcome to Golden Beer Talks. I just have a few announcements to make, and then I'm going to um, introduce our beer ambassador, who's going to introduce our speaker introducer, who's going to introduce our speaker. That's the order of things. Um, first of all, I'm excited to announce that we are going to have Golden Beer Talks beer pints for sale sometime soon. So keep that in mind for all of your various needs. <laughs> we will probably be taking pre-orders for those next time. So um, Next month, we have Mia Sullivan coming, who's going to talk to us about beekeeping, which should be a really interesting talk. And let's see, I have a few thank yous. First of all, thank you to Wendy Saddle, as always, for hosting us. The gumbo's great, right? And I want to say thank you to Golden.com, who has created our website. If you have not visited it, it is www.goldenbeertalks.org. And make sure you go there and sign up if you're not on our mailing list. So thank you to Golden.com. Yay, Barb. And now, much more importantly, we need to hear about our beer offerings tonight. Where is our beer ambassador? Here he is. Frank? Okay, so we're, we're still a new organization, so we're still working out how all of this works month by month. But we are, we are intending to have the beers rotate through the different craft breweries in Golden, which of course inc includes Coors. And Golden City Brewery is the featured beer this month. Golden City Brewery was the first craft brewery other than Coors that opened in 1993. And tonight we have got two beers. We have got... <laughs> red Ale and Oatmeal, or uh, Lookout Stout. And the uh, legendary Red Ale is a 5.3% alcohol by volume, 30 IBUs, uh, International Bitterness Units beer. And it is a, uh-oh, I've, I've forgotten, Carl. <laughs> it's a malty alt beer with a healthy dose of German hops. So it's, it's a German Red Ale. And we also have Lookout Stout, which is 5 0.0% alcohol by volume, 20 IBUs, and it is a creamy oatmeal stout in the English tradition with a large dose of crystal and, uh-oh, crystal and roasted malt to produce a smooth, bittersweet beer. And then we're going to start doing some beer trivia each month, and we'll probably have this on the website, but I'll give you some beer trivia. So I was asked tonight... What's a typical batch of beer at the Golden City Brewery? And I didn't know, even though I've been a customer since 1993. <laughs> and so the answer to that question is, since I went back and I asked him, I said, so what's, what's your typical batch of beer? It's 300 gallons, which is 10 barrels, 30 gallons in a barrel, or the, the other guy offered up 1,240 pints. So... Golden City Brewery, 1993 is when they opened. They're just one block over at 920 and one-half Cheyenne Street. It, it says so right on my back here. It's there somewhere on my vintage T-shirt from Golden City Brewery. So that's our featured beer. Next month will more than likely be Mountain Toad. Thank you very much. And Barb Warden will introduce our speaker. Okay, Mike Bester, 
I threatened him with a false background, but I'm going to use his. He was born and raised in Rochester, New York. He has a BS in management from the University of Detroit, MS in management from the University of Utah. Um, before that, uh, no, I can't. Uh, mm. He was um, in a variety of positions with Jackson County, Missouri, which is the Kansas City area. Um, moved into the Missouri Division of Taxation. He was the city manager of Rifle right before he moved to Golden. He came here in 1993 with his family. Um, his wife, Ann, passed away in 2012. However, his daughter, Andrea, uh, son, Nick, and granddaughter, Lily, the apple of his eye, uh, all live right here in Golden. So during the 20-plus years that he's been our city manager, we have built a rec center, built a golf course, built a kayak course. Um, we established a cap on residential growth. And um, we have our beautiful downtown urban renewal plan, which has come to fruition under his tenure. In addition, we also have a really spectacular infrastructure, most of which is buried, so we can't fully appreciate it, but our infrastructure is really good. And uh, it is my distinct pleasure to introduce Mike Bester, city manager. Thank you, Barb. I hope you all got enough to eat, because I'm not Ellen DeGeneres and I didn't order pizzas. <laughs> also, I'm not going to change my clothes. Uh, but maybe at the end we could do a group selfie. <laughs> Let's see if we can't get a few people out to do that. Well, I'm, I'm excited about the format tonight, because I'm only supposed to talk for 20 minutes. And then we're going to do a break and then Q&A, right? Yeah. And, um, so we get to cover whatever it is you want to cover, right? So uh, let me let me just go through a few things that are uh, that are happening in Golden that have happened in Golden. Uh, before I do that, you of course you all know, know Pamela, who started this, is a member of the Golden City Council, and uh, Mayor Marjorie Sloan is right back there. Um, and so I work for the City Council. There's, if, if, you, if you don't understand the city manager form of government, the, if you think of the city council as the board of directors, and the mayor is chairman of the board, I'm the chief executive officer. So the uh, council hires me, I hire everybody else that works for the city, except the council also appoints the municipal judge and the council appoints the, the city attorney. So there's seven members of the city council, I have to keep four of them happy at all times because I serve at their pleasure. And I've been able to do that for 20 years, uh, which, is, which is pretty amazing, because city managers tend to get fired not quite as often as uh, school superintendents, but, um, <laughs> but we do tend to get fired. The, um, but see, it can change very quickly, can it? Um, so anyway, so this has been a, this has been a really good gig. Um, we moved here 20 years ago. Um, and we, um, it's been a great place to, to live, raise our kids. You know, when Ann and I first got our daughters older, when she was a, when she was a baby, and started crawling around, we did what a lot of you do. You know, we worked really hard to childproof our house. But no matter what we did, she always found a way back in. <laughs> and um, 
But I'm really proud of her right now. She's working at the uh, Colorado Railroad Museum and uh, running their gift shop uh, there. And Lily is a uh, third grader at Mitchell. And Nick is in my basement. And um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but I know I'm not the Lone Ranger, okay? <laughs> 2013 was a great year for the city of Golden. The, the, the capstone, the culmination of that was uh, under Mayor Sloan's leadership, we signed a, uh, um, a very unique agreement with the Colorado Department of Transportation, which will, uh, which defined and govern, will govern how Highway 6 and Highway 93 corridor through Golden develops. And that plan essentially is the plan that we developed over many, many years, spent a lot of money with engineers, had lots and lots of community input meetings, and, and designed what the road would look like. You know, there are, the biggest issue that we have fought for 20 years is uh, the people who want to put a six-lane high-speed toll road right through Golden because they are friends uh, from, people who own land up around Rocky Flats who think that a high-speed road will help them develop. Much like C-470, if you were here when C-470 developed, it was all through virgin land, and of course then it all developed very rapidly. So the people that own land to the north, move annexed into Arvada, think that if they only had the road, uh, that, they could, uh, that they would make lots of money. So we've been fighting this for, for 20 years, uh, and and it's, it's been a lot of fun because we've generally won. We frustrated them at every turn. Um, I heard that the, a, a new friend of, of mine who uh, spent a lot of time working with Arvada said it was almost, when she first met me, she said, oh, that's Mike Bester. I've heard nothing but bad things about him because she hangs around with people of Arvada. And all I could talk about is when's Bester going to retire? Which is also a question that a lot of the young city managers in the, is this working right? Young city managers in the state of Colorado have been wondering. So like when I go to the statewide meetings, you know, these young guys who are in the smaller towns um, and look at, you know, the gig I got here, they all come up to me and they say, um, Mike, I heard a rumor you're going to retire. <laughs> no, no, not sure. You love my job. I'm going to stay here. And then they say, well, how's your health? <laughs> it's a tough business. The, um, so, uh, the, the, so, so the, the, the proponents who, who want to build this road, we fought and fought and fought them. And, um, you know, some ups, some downs. We've declared victory two or three times. <laughs> Most recent time was last year when we signed this agreement with CDOT, which I think really was a victory. And, um, but today, the mayor and I were at 8 a.m. We're at a meeting in the commissioner's office where the commissioner, county commissioner Rozier is starting this whole new effort to try to connect everything. And it's like all over again. And you hear people like the, the current mayor of Littleton, his big mantra when you go to meetings is, we gotta have a beltway, right? All great cities have a beltway. So we have to have one. So you know, my retort to that is, okay, which of those cities do you wanna live in? Houston, Atlanta, Washington. I mean, where do you, you know, what's a great city? Why do you want, why do you want to live there? And, um, we had a, at one of our public meetings, we had the greatest response I ever heard. Some uh, citizen came and said, you know, everybody's talking about we've got to connect this beltway. And he said, look at the letter C. It functions perfectly well without being connected, right? 
So that you know, this is a battle that is that is never going to end. But but the bottom line, we have studied this thing to death. We have hired the best people in the in the country. We spent hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars with these guys out of MIT who are who 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 designed traffic modeling, right? And we've looked at it. And everybody says we got to have it to take congestion off I-70, I-25, Wadsworth Boulevard, which is all baloney. It's not going to do it. And we know that it will never have enough traffic to, to pay for itself with toll roads. So everybody's been against us in this fight except the facts, and the facts are gonna continue. So it ain't, it'll only happen over my dead body. So, um, so anyway, so that's that. So we also had a lot of other um, activity last year. The citizens approved a downtown development authority to continue the progress that we've made in downtown. This, uh, for those of you who haven't been here for 20 or 25 years, this town was dead 23 years ago. The whole city was dead. It was a, it was a place you would not want to live in. The, uh, half the stores downtown were vacant. You could always find a place to park. Remember that. And but but it was horrible. The the lots of people had very bad water pressure. People had uh, uh, so they had like a thousand sewer backups in the people's basements every year uh, because the city council was kind of the good old boys and they didn't they thought their job was to not spend money. So they were accumulating cash. And then in in great American tradition. Bunch of people got together. Heine Foss was one of the initiators, uh, and got elected to council. And eventually, over a couple elections, got control. So Marv Kay was was mayor. Had wild and crazy people like Dr. John McInerney, who was on there, uh, Matt Fakosh, uh, other people that had a lot of courage, and they started um, getting rid of uh, incompetent city staff. The city had been, um, was, the police department was getting sued all the time. They brought in a new police chief to clean house. They brought in Dan Hartman. Uh, they brought in Steve Glick, who's the planning director. And they started making, um, making changes. They eventually hired me. But before they hired me, they went out. The city of Golden had a two-cent sales tax. And the, this council went out and said, we need an additional penny. We need it for capital items only. Our first project is going to be this downtown streetscape because we got to get something going downtown. The second project is going to be the community, Golden Community Center. That council went out and they worked very hard, put their careers on the line, their political careers on the line, and sold it. That passed by 13 votes. And so then they did the project, and of course, the people downtown say, oh, this is horrible. Um, built the rec center. People said that's horrible, and um, you know that's just that started it, right? So that extra penny has given us the money to uh, to maintain this infrastructure. You know, we own as, as citizens of Golden, we own this this entity, right? If you look at our balance sheet, like a business, like you buy into it, right? You buy into the to the water fund and the sewer fund when you buy your house. You, you buy into this community. You have a great, great, um, you have a great balance sheet. But unlike what most states do, what most cities do is we 
maintain the infrastructure we have. We maintain the, the city streets, we maintain the water lines, the sewer lines. Every year we go in and we spend hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars into keeping that stuff up. And what happens in a lot of places is that stuff's not politically popular. You know, building parks, building fun things is politically popular. That's what get politicians reelected. Our city councils have always focused on let's maintain this thing we've got. Let's maintain the value that we have. And that's where we put our money first. So like when you do a water line project or sewer line project, all you do is make people mad, right? Because you <laughs> turn the water off, you turn it on, you tear up the street, you tear up the street again. It's a horrible, horrible thing to go through when we're fixing your water and sewer line. But if we don't maintain those, you know, it's even worse, right? So, um, so I've been really proud of city councils for the last 20 years because they really have, um, they've taken care of business, right? And right now we've got the best city council I ever had. <laughs> Mayor always laughs when I say that. But, um, and so anyway, so lots of good things going on. So last year was pretty exciting too. We had obviously the big floods. We were so much, we were so lucky uh, that we didn't get as much rain as Boulder, but we got a hell of a lot of rain. And 10, 12 years ago, we went to council and said, we need a drainage dis an improvement fee. So council, again, was very courageous and put a drainage fee on Ural's water and sewer bill. And, and commercial property pays that too. And they pay, the commercial property pays it on the basis of impervious area. So if you build a parking lot, like at Home Depot, King Supers, water runs off, so you need to have a drainage system to collect that water and move it on downstream. And so they pay by impervious area. Homeowners pay a set fee that we estimated, you know, was about an average. And of course that was controversial, but council stood up and did it. And we have invested millions and millions of dollars into improving the drainage. The most visible project is the Washington Avenue Bridge down here that that was, this used to be Highway 93, right? This was the main route from Boulder down. People came through downtown. It was a state road. The bridge over Clear Creek was a state bridge. It was a typical rural kind of state bridge, right? It was two lanes wide. It had little sidewalks on each side. Uh, in the wintertime, it was very treacherous to walk across. And because we had drainage money, and then we got money from what's called the Urban Drainage District, which you pay property taxes to, you may not realize it, but it's a, it's a really big area. And then money, sales tax money, which we got from Home Depot and, and, King, Super, and King Supers and Kohl's, which were also controversial. Um, we, we rebuilt the bridge and we made it higher so that more water could get underneath it. And we took City Hall and a bunch of other properties not totally out of the floodplain, but out of any real serious threat. When we, um, the fun part of the job is when the, we brought the engineers in to rebuild this road, rebuild this bridge, I said, I want you to build me a bridge. When somebody drives across it for the first time, I want their first thought to be, oh my God, I gotta find a place to park because I wanna go stand on this bridge, right? Because that is ground zero of everything that's cool but in Golden. You can look at the brewery, you can look at the at the mountain, you can look at the hang gliders, you can look at the rock climbers, you can look at downtown, you can look at the people on the creek. We extended the kayak course under that to make it more visible, right? And we did all those, you know, we did all those cool things, which then helped really spur uh, the downtown 
um, economy. And so it's been it's been fun to do stuff like that, and then to build the trails, um, and particularly everything you know everything you do is controversial. They built the the Tucker Gulch Trail before I got here, but I was going through the same thing in Rifle, and everybody who had a house on the Tucker Gulch Trail it used to be an old railroad line. When council announced that we're going to do this, everybody who lived there said, no, "You can't do that." We'll have people out here in our backyards. They will come in the house. They will kill us. They will steal our stuff. And they will, that's a true story. I mean, this happens. So after it gets built, what's the first thing everybody does? They put a gate in their back fence, right? When they sell their house, they advertise it borders open space trail. Happens all the time. So, so you, you, you tend to get a little cynical. Um, I've had council people come to me and say, Mike, you're awful cynical. So I will say, check back with me in a couple of years <laughs> and see if you still think that. Um, but it's been it's been fun. It's been a fun job. We had the so we had the floods and we had a you know a couple of fire drills on that. We had to abandon the uh, we had to get everybody out of, the, out of the campground on Clear Creek. And then in December we had those incredible ice flows. We were I was out um, I was out I was in Nevada. Um, in a store with, some friend, with my daughter and a friend and got the call from the uh, police chief. We had two highway patrolmen who were coming down 6th Avenue through the canyon following these, this huge, massive ice flow. And the, one of the uh, patrolmen told me that there were ice chunks bigger than my car that were tumbling, you know, over and over and over. So they're talking to our dispatch and everybody's getting real panicky, so we had to, you know, I had to round everybody up. We got to go, got to go. Um, got back here, but then luckily when it hit, um, when it hit Golden, it, it 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 flattened out and lost its energy, but tore up our our trail um, that we had just rebuilt, and um, it was it was it was quite a, it was it was quite exciting, uh, but luckily. Uh, Nothing bad happened. So, the um, so what else happened last year? So, um, 2014 is going to be. We got some fun projects going. The probably the biggest one is um, that will inconvenience you, which actually we we, we really like to do. Um, <laughs> the biggest one in 2014 will be Heritage Road. We're going to rebuild it because the pavement needs to be rebuilt. And so we're going to, uh, we'll add bike lanes, we'll add sidewalks on both sides, we're gonna get Excel to bury the power lines, we're gonna make it look real nice. So those big open ditches, you know, we'll have sidewalks and, and bike lanes. And that'll be, um, that'll be a good project. Next fall, after the tourist season dies down a little bit, we've gotta repave uh, Washington Avenue. We are planning and we won't start construction this year, but 2015-16, we got money from the um, Colorado Department of Transportation to rebuild the 19th Street uh, and 6th Avenue interchange. So um, Mayor Sloan got us $20 million from CDOT uh, with this agreement. We put in $4 million and School of Mines put in $1 million. We're gonna lower 6th Avenue and run a bridge across 19th Street, about the grade where it is now, so that you live in Beverly Heights, you'll be able to walk into town, 
Uh, all the people that ride bikes up Lookout Mountain every weekend will be able to do that without um, without risking their lives. All the mine students um, will go back and hopefully they'll go over the top of the bridge instead of just anywhere. But um, <laughs> but it's going to be a really nice project. Uh, still four lanes under it for, for the foreseeable future. We think forever. Um, but it'll be it'll keep traffic moving a little bit faster, and we've got some other projects in mind to 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 help that six and ninety three uh, problem. So that will have everything torn up in twenty fifteen and sixteen, which will um, and that'll be a real mess. But um, but it'll be it'll be fun. So those are the those are the big projects. Um, Is it time for Q and A? The um, 40, 39 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! The pressure. <laughs> the pressure. No pressure. The. Um, <laughs> I only had one beer. Uh, <laughs> Maybe if I had another one, I'd uh, I'd had. So anyway, so uh, think about your questions. The uh, the thing, you know, I'm happy to talk about about something that's going on now, about any issues. Happy to talk about what I see in the future. Happy to talk about uh, where Golden has come from because it's a great success story. You know, small towns have died all over this country, and ours is extremely. Um, Extremely prosperous. The you know everybody's trying to change it. Lakewood, which has no downtown, built Belmar to try to pretend they had one. And I think you know it's a nice. And Belmar's a good project. I like it. Westminster's trying to do the same thing. Thornton, you know, wants to do. Everybody wants a downtown now, and they want to have a downtown like ours. Um, we think that that uh, that this is one of our greatest strengths for economic development. That that economic development used to be chasing after big companies to get to, to relocate. I don't think that's the way it's working anymore. I think it's bringing in bright people, particularly bright young people, you know, to start businesses. We got so many cool businesses in this town. It is incredible. And so, so sense of place is really important, which is why we do our economic development in the same place where we do our city planning and our city development is because you can't have one without the other. And again, we're we're kind of different than a lot of people doing that. Be happy to talk about that. We got two great new apartment projects coming on board that are, you know, that'll have dog washing stations and bicycle maintenance places and and those kind of things to to um, to encourage to bring in those kind of people. So all the right moves are happening. It's going to be good. I'm very happy to talk about uh, form of government. I started my career in Jackson County, Missouri. Uh, Kansas City, basically, county with a great history of corruption, and <laughs> and unfortunately, I got there too late to get rich. But um, but it was fun because they they changed from a statutory to a home rule county, so I got to do all kinds of different things, um, including I ran the jail for two or three years, um, and was tax collector and did did other kind of cool stuff. It was the same county where Harry Truman um, was from and was a county commissioner. And um, 
So I know a bit about that. So think about your questions. Have another beer. Go to the bathroom. And we'll be back here in 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Okay. Questions? I'll, I'll answer every question. I may not answer the question you ask, but I'll answer. I'll say something. Yes. The uh, question is, are there any uh, plans to repave 10th Street out past Coors and the uh, the Colorado Railroad Museum and all the way out? Oh, not even that far? The, um, I don't, the answer is yes, there's plans to repave. The next question, there's, there's, there's plans to repave every street. Um, It depends. People, people, people have. Um, we we do we do uh, things. We do a lot of things differently than, than a lot of people do. A lot of people come. What most jurisdictions do, and you can see this in Denver all the time. They let all the streets deteriorate to the point where everybody is sick of hitting potholes. They pass a bond issue. They get two hundred million dollars. They repave all the streets. Twenty years later, they're in the same boat. We try. If we assume that a street will have a useful life of about 20 years, and so and and we know what the deterioration curve of that street looks like. So you know it's 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 like getting older, right? It's you're up here for a long time and then it starts to go down. And so if we can catch the street before just before it starts to come down, and we can do a mill and overlay, we can give it another 10, 15 years life, right? And we do that for about a fifth of the cost of what it takes to totally rebuild the street. So we, we get lots of questions from people of, my street is horrible, it's got a lot of potholes in it, and you're fixing that guy's street, which isn't anywhere near as bad. And we say, yes, we are. Because your street, we have determined, is, is beyond hope. That, <laughs> that we cannot do a mill and overlay, right? We have to totally re rebuild it. So it's not gonna, it'll get worse, but we've already passed that point. So whether we wait two years, three years, four years, five years to get your street and totally rebuild it, the cost isn't gonna, the relative cost isn't gonna be that much. In the meantime, if we can keep this other 80% of our streets in, in really good shape and extend their life at a fraction of the cost, we do that. So it's, um, it's a very, it, it, it actually makes a lot of sense but it's very hard for people to understand. So um, I'm not sure exactly what the status is of that street, but um, but but you know, but eventually we'll get them all. And that's that's that also drives things like the Heritage Road project. We know we've been talking about that for a long time, but the street needs to get rebuilt, and it's it's the point where it really needs it. So so that makes us go in and put all the other money into it. North Washington. One of our one of the projects we really want to do at some point is Washington North from 58 up to Highway 93, and make that look nice and put um, you know make it easier for pedestrians and and that kind of stuff. And so we'll have to do that at some point too. So the other bad news thing on streets is we just rebid our street paving contract, 
and prices went up 25%. One year, 25%. Why? I don't know. Um, but we had, uh, we had like three, three different bids, and the price went up, which means that for this year, we're going to fix 25% fewer streets. And then next year, council, when we do the, we do the capital budget, council has got a really tough decision because our policy is we take care of those streets because once, once we let it go, you know, once we, if, we, if we don't catch it before it goes down, then it, could, then it gets vastly more expensive very quickly. And so we got to put more money into streets, which means we're going to have to do fewer fun things. Matt? So two-part question. I've been thinking about this for years, and I wonder, when you came here, did you see the incredible potential of this town? And then the second part is you pointed out, you talk about how Main Street America can be so vibrant, such a vibrant part of our economy, and I wonder if you can see cities around the world, the country that could learn from us. <laughs> the... Um, yeah, two-part question. Yes, I did. And the 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 um, one of the main things I, the, that I looked at was the structure. The city of Golden is what's called the home rule city, right? That means that our city council has tremendous power to to set stuff. The other kind of city in the in the state, for the most part, are statutory cities, which means they're very dependent on the, what the state legislature allows them to do. Most of the cities in Colorado, our home rule. So we have a charter, which in 1967, there was a citizen committee that got together and wrote the charter. And it's pretty much the same base model charter that other, lots of other people use. It, all based on ideas that were, uh, interestingly enough, started primarily by Teddy Roosevelt. Before he was president, uh, he served for a time as like, I forgot the title, but, but like HR director for the federal government. And he was in the Navy Department. But he got appointed police commissioner of New York City. And the New York State Legislature had just done a big study of the New York Police Department. And they determined that, that the citizens of New York had no idea where the money came from to run the New York City Police Department. And they did a great deal of investigations. They found that 25% of the money that ran the, ran the um, New York City Police Department came from brothels. Another 35, 40% came from taverns. And uh, another 10% came from people who wanted jobs. You had to pay to get a job, you had to pay to get a promotion. It's a very corrupt system. Teddy got appointed police commissioner. And the, the law then was that you could not sell beer on Sundays, okay? So think of New York in the late 1800s, um, German and Irish immigrants, right? And they worked six days a week, and they were off on Sunday. And Germans and Irish liked to drink. But they couldn't under the law, so everybody ignored the law. And taverns, were op taverns paid the police department to be able to stay open. Police department had the money and you know used that. And Teddy said, it's the law, we're going to enforce it which he did, and he got fired. Um, but he went on then to, to, to start what eventually became the National Civic League that started a reform government. And they said, well, you know, what we really need to do is separate the politics from the administration, right? We need to have professional administration and that hires and fires people and a professional manager who, who 
is the focal point for the budget. Presents a budget to the elected officials and then is responsible for carrying it out. So out of that, the council manager form of government came. And eventually this model city charter. So Golden, like many other communities, adopted this model charter in 67 and became home rule. So we have a lot of, um, we have a lot of power. It's a great charter. It, it gives the power of initiative and referendum to the citizens so they can initiate ordinances, they can refer an ordinance that was passed by city council to a confirming vote of the, of the electorate, but they can't do it on certain things. They can't do it on the salaries of uh, city officials, they can't do it on the budget, they can't do it on those kind of things. Because if you had this plebiscite on the budget, and you had a situation like council's gonna face for the 2015 and 2016 year, and do you pave streets or do you build you know, a swimming pool, right? The, the danger is that the, that the electorate would, would easily pick maybe the wrong thing. Whereas you elect people, representative form of government, you know, they study the issues, they have some insulation, they can think about it, they're, they're paid to make you know, sound decisions. So, um, so the structure is very important to me. I looked, at the, I looked at the numbers, passing the one cent sales tax was important. I came over, I sat in the back, I watched council meetings. Um, and there were like, I think there were like 300 people applied for my job. And, um, and I got it. And, um, <laughs> and I've kept it. And um, so, so yes, I saw the potential. And I saw what was, I saw the streetscape. You know, I saw what was going on. I met the people that council had brought in, like Dan Hartman. Now Dan Hartman, who's the public works director, who is really the brains behind a lot of the good stuff we do, on, particularly on infrastructure, he was hired five years before me. And he came in, he had, uh, he had been in Steamboat Springs, they went out to California, his wife didn't like it, and said we're moving back to Colorado. He interviewed for the job, kind of needed it. And uh, after the interview, they offered him a tour of city facilities. But he had a family obligation, so he declined the tour. They called him, they hired him. When the day he started, he got the tour. He said if he had taken the tour before he took the job, he wouldn't have taken the job. The city was in such bad shape. The offices were so bad. The equipment was so bad. Um, so by the time I got here, uh, people like he and, and Steve Glick had made some really good progress. We had a good council. Um, and so, yeah, so I was very happy to have the job. The second part, uh, other people around the country could learn from us. One thing, my uh, professional organization is the International City Manager Association, ICMA. It's a pretty big, pretty big group. And of course their offices are in Washington, D.C. And they have for the last uh, 15 years or so, 15, 20 years, had contracts with the United States Agency for International Development, USAID, for, um, which runs basically foreign aid. And ICMA, then on these contracts, has paired um, well-run cities in the United States with cities in other countries. So we started out, we were paired with a country in Bulgaria called Veliko Turnovo, <laughs> which had been under communist rule, you know, and we're, we're just experimenting with democracy. So we had a lot of staff people, we paid, the, uh, we paid their, their salaries while they were over there, but USAID paid all the expenses, the travel, that kind of stuff, the interpreters. And we helped, we took our infrastructure management system and showed them how to apply that to their 
place. Bulgaria has horrible unemployment problems. Velko Turnovo is really cool. It, it traces its history to the 4th century BC. So when the mayor and some other people came over here, we were talking about how proud we were of being historic. Um, but, but their infrastructure was in a horrible shape. And so they, but we, they put together a plan with our help based on our stuff. They took it to the World Bank. They got a, um, I don't know, four or, five million, four or five million euro loan. They put it into the streets that we told them to put it into. They, within two, three years, they had, just like here, when we did this, then they started getting private investment to build new hotels. The uh, Danube River cruises would stop and bust people down to Velico Turnabo, um, and they became reasonably prosperous. The, the Bulgarians and USAID and ICMA were so impressed that they took Dan back there uh, many, many times. We rolled out the whole system throughout all of Bulgaria, trained them how to do it. We have since done things with um, uh, a couple other countries over there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, huh? Afghanistan? Dan, uh, Dan has also, Dan and Steve Glick, who's our planning director, have also um, done some private consulting where they take their vacation time and they go, Dan has been to uh, Afghanistan twice. He helped establish the Kabul Department of Public Works. I said, Dan, just tell him to quit blowing stuff up. <laughs> Be a good step. Um, so so uh, my, my point being that I think that what we got going here in Golden is respected worldwide. Next question. question is why we don't talk about uh, paid parking downtown. And um, I hope our hostess isn't listening because she might cut, you, uh, she, yeah, she'll cut us all off. The, um, the, uh, lots of cities make lots of money on it. The, we've just hired a, uh, in the process of hiring a, a company to, to do a parking study for us to look at do we have, how much more development can we take with the existing parking we've got downtown? And so that's gonna be the major focus of the question. We've, we've asked them to look at paid parking, but we're saying don't make it a big part of your deal because we don't really think it's worth the fight. Um, paid parking is, you do paid parking for, for two reasons. One is to keep people moving, right? Because you wanna have the spaces out here in front of this business turning over on a pretty regular basis so visitors can come in and find a place to park and come in, right? I mean, that's the whole, and we're asking them to help us look at what our structure is and our strategy is for time parking and how we enforce that. But you want these spaces on the street turning over regularly. Now what happens is we have a lot of service businesses on Washington Avenue that that um, could just as well, in my opinion, be somewhere else. Washington Avenue ought to be retail, ought to be bars and coffee shops and, and, and toy stores and things like that, right? So you, you end up with employees parking in front of your, in, fr you know, in front of the businesses. So that's why you have to, 
That's why you either have two-hour parking and you chalk tires and you write tickets, or you have metered parking to keep people moving. Um, and then the other reason is revenue. Right? We have we haven't um, had the need to start charging for parking. We think what we're doing right now is working really, really well, um, and that. As long as uh, Windy Saddle is always packed all the time and we get 3% of everything Dana makes, that, um, that we can afford to keep parking free. So I think that that's, um, I think it's an attraction. Um, at some point, you know, you might do it to get people moving or because you need the money, but I don't see that in the immediate future. You can risk losing the small town feel. That's right. Risk losing the small town feel. Yeah. The um, you know right right now it's 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 working and it's working pretty well and there is parking. You know we'll probably do some. I suspect that when we get this parking study done, we will on our two structures, the two parking garages. I would bet that the recommendation will be to to restrict the lower floors to like two-hour parking, so the all-day parkers will go have to go to the roof, um, which will make them mad, but I don't care. Because um, you want to bring in that those new people, you know, with money in their pocket. That's what you want. That's the first I've heard of people moving out for a day and coming back during the during the winter months. We let people stay uh, full time. And then, but during the summer, I think there's a two-week, two-week limit. And the, uh, yeah, I'd be happy to look at the, look at the policies and look at the procedures, how to get there. It is, it's always full. We make money on it. There, I will tell you that there are a lot of people in town who think that we should close it down and turn that area into additional parkland, of, of some kind. That, um, I don't see that happening real soon. But it was talked about in the Clear Creek master planning process. Um, I don't think it's going to happen real quick, but um, but that's I'll just let you know that there are, you, you need to pay attention, right? This is a democracy. And enough people get behind some kind of idea, and then um, it gets you know it gets traction, and then council has to listen to it. So I don't think I don't, it's not imminent, but it's something to keep an eye on. You're going to have good governance. You're going to have good governance for a long time. And uh, I got to admit, Commissioner Rosier got my competitive juices flowing this morning. But um, Golden's going to be Golden's going to be in good shape. You know, everybody said said that. Um, well, Golden's in good shape. Yes, sir. Uh, besides, I guess, besides the beltway, potential beltway issues in the future, what do you see as uh, big hurdles for Golden in the next decade? The Golden is, you got, you got to understand, Golden's pretty small, right? And right now we're doing really, really well. But you got to understand that half of our sales tax come from our five biggest stores. Home Depot, Kohl's, Safeway, King Supers. Um, 
It's the fifth one anyway, whatever. Windy saddle. Windy saddle. <laughs> Those big stores like that can close any time. Safeway just sold itself, right? And they're going for a whole new kind of look, a smaller kind of store look. Um, you know, things like that can happen very, very quickly. It can happen overnight. We watch, um, you know, I watch, I don't have any money invested in, in Kohl's or Home Depot, but I watch their, their stock price and their corporate news religiously because they are so critically. And boy, do we catch hell for those projects too. So, um, but, uh, but that's where our money comes from. And if, if we didn't have councils that had the guts to, to set, um, uh, to, to make incentive deals with the developers, both for the King Supers lot and for the Home Depot Coles lot, uh, this town would not look like it is. So, um, and then the citizens uh, got mad about, about incentives. See, both cases, like let's take Coles and Home Depot. That was, um, that was a very difficult ground. It was much higher, had way too much dirt. It, had, it has difficult access. The owners could not get anybody interested in coming in uh, and coming in there. So we did a couple things. One, when the C-470 extension, we, we negotiated through a lot of fights of connecting C-470. It used to be when you came up C-470 from the south, if you wanted to come to Golden, you had to get on I-70 going west, get off at Morrison Road, and come in, come across Heritage Road, right? We worked for years to try to get consensus. The county in Arvada had, had dreams of connecting C-470 to Highway 6 with a six-lane road. And we said, no, that's crazy. We came up with a plan for $3 million. We said we funded ourselves to do at grade, to come down where the C-470, where you come down C-470 now, if you're heading north on C-470, do have an at-grade interchange at Highway 40, at-grade interchange at Highway 6, and we said it would work. Oh, God, that was just too radical for the county. So finally, we got everybody to the table, and they agreed on the connection that's there. And the first plan was, I don't know, $45 million. They went back to the drawing board and said, well, if we make it an off-ramp instead of a connection, we can make it for $20 million. So that got built. But part of the deal was that we were going to put money into it. But they needed a lot of dirt for that. And if you look at how you're driving, you're driving on a lot of dirt. So Dan Hartman worked out this plan where the road graders could take the dirt off of the Interplaza site where Home Depot and Kohl's is, drag it along the I-70 right-of-way and drop it there for the C-470 connection. So that connection got done cheaper and the owner of the land got now had a piece of property he could sell, all right? But there were still difficulties with it. So we made a deal for Home Depot and Kohl's that for that we would refund them up to, I think it was $3 million. We would give them one, one cent, so we got three cent sales tax, we would give them one penny back. New money they generated, no risk to the city. If they didn't generate it, they wouldn't get it. Out of the three cents, they would get one cent back up to $3 million or 10 years, whichever came first. Well, the $3 million came very quickly, I think within six years. Uh, and we paid that off. And so now, that's where we got That's where we got the money to build that bridge, that's where we get the money to do all the other cool things we've done in the last 10 years. But, uh, and we made a similar deal at King Supers, 
because that property was owned by five different people that had environmental challenges, they had a recalcitrant owner, council didn't want to condemn, they had to pay them more money than it was worth. We did the same deal there, again, it got paid off early, no risk to the city. But lots of people just hate that concept, right? And intellectually, I understand that, right? But that's the way the world's working right now in Colorado. So we negotiated this deal on Home Depot. We came in, we presented to council. It failed on a four to three vote. The next day, the Home Depot uh, developers were in Mike Rock, my counterpart in Lakewood. They were in his office and saying, what ground do you have in Lakewood? We want to be in this area. What kind of deal will you get us? So Mike and I were good friends. He called me. And I said, don't tell them anything for a week. I'll see if I can get council to reconsider. So it was very complicated. You know, we had to work hard, but we got council to reconsider, and I think it passed by a four to three vote. So a certain group of citizens thought that was horrible, and they put a, um, a, uh, an article in our home rule charter that said uh, we can't do incentives anymore. So we haven't been able to do any. Um, we can do 25,000, and that's all. And those are the only ones we've been able to do since then. So the, you know, 2008, 2009, 2010 didn't make any difference. Nobody's building anything anyway. People now are starting to build, but they're, but they're only building where they get incentives. So Westminster, Arvada, Lakewood, all those places are giving incentives. We can't do it. Our hands are tied behind our back. If we, if we hadn't done those incentives, we would have about half the money, discretionary money that we got. You've done, a lot of, you've done a lot of cool things. With the, you know, the Greek's a good example. It's very successful. It's so successful that it's overcrowded. And you've got people come from all over the region. It's not just a golden And the concern is that it's, it's becoming more of a regional attraction rather than something for our citizens. And I don't want to live in Boulder. So how do we... How do we save ourselves from becoming a victim of our own success? How do, yeah. we, how do we keep our small town Yeah, that's a good question. The, two years ago, we got really, I got surprised that um, I called it Occupy Clear Creek because, you know, the Occupy Wall Street was going on at the same time. And it, it was just amazing. But it was, you know, the weather was really hot and the water temperature was just right. And we had this flash mob, right, that formed and took up the whole creek. So we responded as well as we could at that point. We obviously over the over the winter we got a little smarter and we got a little better planning ahead. So last year we had uh, 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 park rangers out there. We put a lot of new signs up. We're controlling a lot of the obvious things. So we're trying to keep out of the, the trying to keep the party boys out, right? So we are very very strict on alcohol, both alcohol, both open container and uh, just possession. Uh, we've made that illegal. We've, we've prohibited smoking in that area. We have prohibited dogs off leash in the area. And so we've, we've tried to get control of it. We still have a lot of people. I don't know. The, uh, this year, obviously a lot of it is weather dependent, runoff dependent. This year the runoff is going to be very strong and very cold for a very long time so it'll probably be you know late July before we see that the, um, somebody pointed out to me that that a lot of people 
used to go to Lyons to do the same thing, to play in the creek. Because Lyons is very dependent on their park system. Well, in the floods, Lyons lost all their park systems. You know, they lost their public works bill. They lost, almost lost the whole town. So people aren't going to probably be in Lyons this summer. Are they going to come here? I hope not. But it's a tough, it's a tough, um, it's a tough thing to do. I don't, you know, I don't know. We're, you know, we, we have to try to control the impacts on the neighborhood, like control parking. We have to control the rowdy behavior. We have to control the, the littering. Um, you know, but on the other hand, it's kind of fun to walk along the creek and hear all the kids laughing. And it's fun to, to see uh, moms and dads playing with their kids in the creek. And I like that part of it. Um, but we're not gonna put a we're not gonna put a gate up. Yeah. Creek. Mike gave a great answer to my last question, but I really wanted to hear about in the United States. I love the world, but I'm curious about the rest. I'm always thinking regionally. Is there a way, Mike, that we could help Clear Creek and come what is here all the way into Dennis? We not we as you, the city staff, but we as citizen activists get our metropolitan district, or the whole metro region, somehow do that. That would help go. Yes, go Matt! Yay! Yeah! Well, We Ridge has certainly put a lot of money into their green belt. You know, and the green belt gets some use, but it it doesn't it doesn't have the flows, um, you know, that we do. Uh, it's not as it's pretty flat, right? It's not as much fun. It's below the wastewater treatment plant. Um, I don't swim down there. No. Okay. Well, thank you all very much. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, everybody, for coming out tonight. Don't forget, next month we're having the beekeeper talk. And um, for updates, you can always visit goldenbeertalks.org. <laughs> Thanks. And Facebook. Good night, everybody. Thank you.